It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is The World in 10 from the Times of London on Monday the 16th of January. I'm Sonal Patel. And I'm Nkem Ifejika. A day of mourning in Nepal after the country's worst air crash in 30 years. I didn't know it was going to crash. When I started filming, the plane suddenly tilted, just like a fighter plane tilts to dodge a missile. I thought, surely it's going to come towards our homes. The number of people killed in a strike on an apartment block in Ukraine has gone up. She has heavy injuries, one of which happened because of the explosion wave. And we begin in Nepal. Footage shows the final moments of Yeti Airways Flight 691. Pictures clearly showing the aircraft shaking and pitching, turning sharply before crashing into a gorge. The twin-engine plane, a ball of fire, crashing minutes before it was due to land at the newly opened airport in Pokhara, a tourist destination town for those on a hiking trail into the Himalaya. Mehmood Khan saw what happened. We heard a loud, thunderous crash and reached our terrace to see what had happened. We saw a lot of smoke and realised it was an airline crash and we rushed to the site. Though I stayed back, my friend went down to look for survivors and took out at least 35 bodies. The pictures coming out of Nepal show chaos as the burning plane is surrounded by dozens of people, spraying water to douse the flames, pulling bodies from the wreckage where they could. Efforts to save the 72 on board in vain. This policeman says they're working to retrieve and identify the victims as quickly as possible so they can hand them over to their families. The plane had taken off from the capital Kathmandu on a 27-minute flight. Why it crashed remains unclear, for now at least. Nepal's Prime Minister Pushpa Kamal Dahal says his government would use everything it had to investigate the tragedy. The plane's black box and flight recorder have been recovered and should eventually provide some answers. The Himalayan country has an unfortunate record of air accidents. The weather can change suddenly and airstrips are situated in difficult-to-reach mountainous areas and there's poor regulation of aircraft maintenance. But as the nation mourns, some are asking if enough is being done to ensure the country's skies are safe. Ukrainian authorities now say at least 35 people were killed after Russian missile strikes in the southeast of the country. Two children were among the victims of the attack on a residential building in Dnipro on Saturday. The Russian rocket hit the nine-story building at around 3.40 p.m. on Saturday in one of two volleys of missiles fired at Ukrainian cities. Rescuers described hearing the screams of people calling for help when they arrived. 
Olha, the deputy head of intensive care at Dnipro Children's Hospital, said seven children and one adult had been hospitalized and gave an update on some of their conditions. A nine-year-old girl has been placed in a hospital. She has heavy injuries, one of which happened because of the explosion wave, as well as a head concussion, two severely broken hips and a shrapnel injury on her shin. Richard Spencer is in Ukraine for The Times and he says that there are questions about why the building was hit. The question always is when they hit these um, civilian targets, you know, blocks of flats, is that just a callous you know, warning that Putin is saying here, look, you know, you can defeat us on the battlefield, but don't think we'll go away. We're still here and we can still inflict damage. However, some officials believe the target was the Prydnipovska power station on the other side of the river. On the way, some of the world's richest people gather in Switzerland and why the sloth is confusing scientists. Romanian police are expanding their investigation into former kickboxer Andrew Tate. Over the weekend, the authorities seized a fleet of luxury cars and raided a luxury villa north of the capital. Investigators have been looking into allegations that the British-American citizen was running a human trafficking operation from his compound in Bucharest. If you're living in the Western world, this is probably 40% of the reason I moved to Romania. In an online video, Andrew Tate said he moved to Romania in 2017, in part because of what he perceived to be its relaxed approach to sexual assault claims. Police want to know whether he and his brother Tristan lured women with promises of a relationship before forcing them to work online in adult chat rooms. They're also investigating an allegation of rape. Police have identified six women as potential victims, but last week two of those women publicly denied any mistreatment by the Tate brothers. The World Economic Forum kicks off in the Swiss ski resort of Davos on Monday with the great and the good of politics and business scheduled to attend. It's the first full gathering since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Susanna Streeter, senior investment and markets analyst at Hargreaves Lansdowne, is in Davos, and she says some world leaders are staying away. There are the world leaders are likely to be fewer this year, I think because they feel as though, um, given that the cost of living is going to be on the agenda and recessions, it doesn't look good to be attending a, a forum for the ultra wealthy mm. um, when, you know, this uh, problem is raging in so many different countries. But she added that there are those who still see the gathering as important. There are also senior business leaders and brands, but alongside all of all of the, the the wealthy there are the innovators the entrepreneurs those starting um uh, kick-starting their businesses really hoping to get investment some really interesting innovative um company uh, leaders and entrepreneurs that i've met who are really hoping that the ideas will help solve some of the most tricky uh problems the world is facing right now. Forum organisers say this year's event will boast a record number of delegates of unprecedented diversity. Those attending include 1,500 industry leaders, 600 chief executives, 300 government ministers, 52 heads of state and government and 19 central bank governors. And female participation will be at a record high. Prominent summit themes will be the war in Ukraine, climate change and the fragile state of the global economy. Time to get the sports news with Nick Ellaby. With tennis's Australian Open now underway in Melbourne, top seed Rafa Nadal is through to round two after a win over Britain's Jack Draper. 
But Aussie Nick Kyrgios says it's brutal to be missing one of the most important tournaments of his career. Kyrgios, the runner-up at last year's Wimbledon, has had to pull out with a knee injury. It's just constant throbbing. I've barely had a good night's sleep the last four or five nights, honestly. It's just been throbbing. Um, you know, it's an impact. So every time I land on serve or push off my serve, you can see on the side of my knees like a little lump. So that, that lump will just eventually just get bigger and bigger. In the women's draw, there's an exciting second round tie coming up between two young guns, US seventh seed Coco Goff and Emma Raducanu. The British number one, who struggled since winning the US Open in 2021, says her and Goff's careers have followed similar trajectories. When she first came at Wimbledon, I think after that it took her a little bit to adjust as well, but then she definitely found her feet um, and she's playing really good tennis and, and looking really solid right now. But yeah, she's a great athlete with some big weapons. Yeah, it's going to be a tough opponent but I'm looking forward to the occasion. And at the Critics' Choice Awards in Los Angeles, the absurdist comedy drama Everything Everywhere All at Once bagged five awards, the most of any contenders. One of the film's stars, Kei Hui Kwan, added to the Golden Globe he picked up last week, as did Angela Bassett for her role in Wakanda Forever. However, several films successful at the Golden Globes failed to make a mark at the Critics' Choice Awards. The Banshees of Inner Sharon didn't win anything from nine nominations, while The Fablemans, a semi-autobiographical film by the director Steven Spielberg, won just one from 11 nominations. And finally, to one of my favourite animals, sloths. They're so slow and ponderous, things grow on them. You'd think scientists would know everything about them, right? Wrong. Sloths spend their entire lives practically hanging from trees by their bony fingernails, so it makes sense that they're strong. So strong, in fact, that they've been known to remain wrapped around tree trunks even in death. Speaking of adorable and goofy grins, he's in chem with what's actually confusing these clever people. Apparently, they were surprised to find that the tree-hugging mammals are significantly stronger on their left side than on their right. A team from the New York Institute of Technology was researching the way that the brown-throated three-toed sloth use its long, curved claws to cling on in the forest canopy when feeding. The lazy fuzzballs could readily support more than 100% of their entire weight with just one hand or foot, but no one can explain the apparent left-handedness. Scientists say more research is needed. And that's your World in 10 from the Times of London on Monday the 16th of January. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.